Hi guys, welcome to Bumps and Besties, a podcast about navigating the journey to motherhood through fertility struggles, friendship, and all the bumps along the way. I'm your host, Lexi, along with my co-host and bestie. Hi, I'm Amy. Our podcast is here to explore the often tricky, usually emotional path to motherhood through the lens of two besties on two different paths. Laugh with us, cry with us, and know wherever you're at on your journey, you're never alone because your besties are here and we have your back. Hello and welcome back to Bumps and Besties. Good morning. How are you doing this week, Amy? What's going on with you? Yeah, this week has been busy. Um, we did confirm that unfortunately the last embryo transfer didn't take, mm. um, but that's okay. I've been very distracted this week by Stanley, who mm-hmm. is um, our cat, very uh, demanding cat who has some <laughs> medical issues at the moment yeah. um, with some 4am wake up. So I like to think that he's Oof. prepping me for eventual motherhood. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's the prep you need. <laughs> Because you will never sleep properly again. Not yeah. to be that person, but it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, between Sick Cat and Hubby's business in its peak period, it's just been a busy week. So, yeah. Yeah. And yourself? Um, yeah. Busy week here as well. I've actually had a week off from work, which has been really nice, a bit of downtime. But unfortunately, it's like freed up space in my brain to be like, you need to clean out every conceivable cupboard in your entire house, throw out everything that you own, um, which is not great and has probably been more of a hindrance than a, a good thing. But it's been nice to have time with Ted that's been completely unobstructed by work. So yeah. that's been really nice. Yeah. Not counting down the naps to get stuff done kind of exactly exactly and um actually catching up on some sleep myself occasionally taking an afternoon nap which you know everyone always says sleep when the baby sleeps i never did that when he was little but this week i have really felt it and i think it's just like built on fatigue on top of fatigue on top of fatigue so i've actually managed to squeeze in a few naps which nice. is a rarity but and it's very nice probably doesn't help we've joined the gym this week so that's true. more tired than normal <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely we've become yoga and pilates girlies which yes. has been really nice just because we don't spend enough time together we right. now spend yeah. wednesday thursday friday and Tuesday, actually, all together. Pretty so. much most weekdays we see yep. each other at some point and the occasional weekends. So. Yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> and then, like, we just were like, hey, do you want to go shopping? Yeah, let's yeah. hang out and go shopping. <laughs> I know I saw you this morning, but how's this afternoon? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's us. We've been pretty much inseparable this week. Um, but Ted's been pretty chill this week, which has been nice. He's been good despite another tooth coming in. He's got his cute little snaggle teeth in the top. Yeah, it's really weird. So everyone says, oh, you get your two front teeth first. No, 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 not my kid. He has his two front lateral incisors. So no front center teeth, but front side teeth, which apparently are much worse in terms of like how much they hurt when they're coming through. So poor little guy, he's really been going through it, but he's been in good spirits. Well, the next one should be embraced then if they're the hard ones. (laughs) Fingers crossed. She says of teeth. Alrighty, so this week we are going to take you through the strain and stress on your relationship by the IVF journey and then when Bub comes along and how that changes things. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think anybody who's been in a relationship just 
has seen the peaks and troughs of what life can throw at you and what you experience when you're going through just living life. But when you add in something as huge and as stressful and as straining as IVF, trying to conceive, and then obviously once Bub comes along as well, it just adds a whole nother layer into your relationship and how much pressure it puts on it. So we thought we'd be able to give some interesting perspectives um, on how that has changed our dynamic in our relationships, uh, what the pitfalls have been and how we've moved through them. So, Amy, do you want to kick it off with how IVF and the trying to conceive journey has affected your relationship? Yeah, so at the beginning it didn't really change a lot, like in that normal trying period for the first, say, 12 months or so. Um, things were relatively normal as they are and yeah. then as things obviously start to get more stressful, day-to-day stress obviously makes things more tense that kind of thing now i think the part where we start to struggle was definitely when we started with the ivf medications themselves Mm -hmm. because the i have all the needle phobia and stuff that we talked about last week and things going on i get I'm a very anxious person as it is. Yeah. Um, throw in having to do something that terrifies me and the surging hormones and the synthetic hormones in much higher amounts than your body would be producing them naturally. Yeah. I was a hormonal mess. Yeah. Um, and things like, you, you guys would know if you've been pregnant or had bad PMS, nothing you say or do makes sense when you're a hormonal mess. Like, yeah, absolutely. You're, it's like you're not in control of your body. Some other being is controlling you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that was the first point where Gary was unsure how to react to me because I think generally I like to think that my PMS before fertility treatments wasn't too bad. Like I got the usual crankies a week before my period, but nothing to this extent. And then when they started pumping me full of these hormones, I was just – I. I didn't know which way was up and I'd have these breakdowns and it took a long time for me to adjust to the mindset that I was in during a cycle. Yeah. So to have someone who you love acting in this way that's completely unhinged almost, he wasn't sure how to react to that. Yeah. He obviously wanted to be sensitive and not just say, hey, you're being hormonal because that would make it 10 times worse. But in actual fact, that is what it was. Yeah. Did he ever say to you, like, is it something I've done? Are you angry with me? Are you upset with me? Or was he always like, it's just the hormones? I think in the beginning, a lot of the times he was like, oh, God, like, have I caused this? What have I done? Like, and was very confused. But as it went on over a few months, we started to realise that it was very much a medication thing. Mm -hmm. And he eased... I have to give him credit. He is very quickly into recognising when my anxiety attacks were worse than they had been previously and were obviously a result of hormones. Mm -hmm. And just generally trying to calm me and be supportive. But... It also throw into the mix that we were in COVID and he couldn't attend most of my initial medical appointments. Right, yeah. So a lot of it felt like I was doing it alone. Couldn't come to a lot of the procedures. And, you know, again, we went through how anaesthetic is my only thing I hate more than needles. Mm -hmm. So I'm going into these terrifying situations with my nurses, God bless them, holding my hands the whole way being great. But not being able to take my husband, yeah, Yeah, alone. And I think a lot of the time I felt like this is just me. Like he's not actually having to go through most of this. This is all me. Like what, this isn't fair. Obviously, you know, the emotional and the mental side of things affects him too, but he's not feeling it physically. Yeah. So physically when I'm going through the injections and the fear and the anxiety and all the physical aspects that come with that, physically I guess it's the easiest 
on the male or you know the partner who's not carrying the baby because of course they do a sample they do their collection and then that's basically their physical contribution done um and they're not on any medication right no no not normally so you know there's supplements and stuff that they can take but it's generally just a hey it's the week before a procedure i have to go and give my sample and that's the the gist of them done so i think for me i felt a lot of the time like hey i'm the one going through all this and was there any resentment so when he said to me the first couple of times i understand and i'd be like no you don't you don't understand at all like you you don't you can try to but you absolutely do not like obviously trying to calm me down when i'm upset and anxious but saying oh i understand i get it was not helping because i was like well you don't get it you can't physically go through what i'm going through so you can't understand this at all as much as you try yeah so I think for me, I had to work on giving him some slack because he was trying to understand and he was trying to be as sympathetic as possible and he's never going to physically feel what I feel. So, of course, there's going to be things that he's not going to completely get. And for me, it's once I've had my hormonal anxiety attack, I know that I'm not being a reasonable human. And I Mm. know an hour later, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I don't know who that was and where she came from. But in that minute... It's like telling a woman to calm down when she's angry. It just oh, yeah. doesn't work. No, not a good like, idea. So saying to me, I understand, I get it. It's like, well, you don't because you haven't felt it. Well, I guess lucky that we've been together for so long mm. and we can read each other's cues quite well. Yeah. I think if we had been together for any lesser period of time than we were, I honestly don't know how our relationship would have survived it because even now there are really hard days. Yeah. Um, you know, days or weeks, months following miscarriages or procedures that don't go the way you want them to. It's a really emotionally draining time. I'm physically drained for most of that time and it takes a lot of conscious remembering of what your partner is going through Mm -hmm. and that, you know, it also affects them. I get in my headspace of, well, you know, this process doesn't affect you. Like, you're not involved in this. It's not your problem. But I've got to rein myself in and remember, well, you know, emotionally and mentally, these are his processes too. And he's still, a lot of the time he seems to emotionally detach, but that's more so that he can support me instead. Okay, yeah. So I think it actually comes down to me having to remember a lot of the time that it's not just me being affected Mm -hmm. and it's not just me going through it while Mm -hmm. the majority of it is it also affects him too yeah and yeah i think if we hadn't have been together for so long beforehand i don't know that we would have gotten through the ivf process we probably would have thrown in the towel or something because there are still days where like most relationships we want to kill each other yeah and I think throwing a process where you're grieving and you're hopeful and you're anxious, it's like it's almost a constant state of grief, I'd say, for the last couple of years because while there's happy days and if you've lost a relative or someone close to you, you know that some days life is normal and then other days it's just absolute crap. Yeah. Some days you will just be in a ball, an emotional mess, and have had enough. And then other days you live like nothing's happened. And it's like that constant state of grief where you just never know how you're going to wake up feeling. And a lot of it comes down to a lot of the hormones in an IVF cycle. They're at much higher levels than your body would be experiencing them normally um, if you were in a natural pregnancy. So being pumped full of all this extra stuff and your body's like, hang on a second, I'm not meant to be feeling this at this point of our Mm -hmm. cycle, but I am. 
yeah, it's just, it's a lot to take on. And I guess if anyone else out there is thinking of going through it, I would definitely recommend if you don't have a solid relationship or, you know, they think there are things you can work on, that I would go and do some couples counselling first. Yeah. I think, yeah, we have just been together for so long. We'd been together for seven or eight years before we even started the IVF process. And I think that's our saving grace. Yeah, absolutely. And when you guys had your first miscarriage, how did your partner deal with that and were you able like did you have to emotionally support him more through it was he more of an emotional support for you did you guys go see a counselor like how did you move through that because that's a huge thing to go through I think I'm definitely the more the emotional one Mm -hmm. and it was definitely more him supporting me I didn't get a sense of him releasing his emotions for it until a couple of days later until kind of after all the physical stuff had happened and the miscarriage had actually physically taken place because at that point we were focusing on my pain and all the trauma of the excessive bleeding and stuff and that was the primary focus and it was only a couple of days later when that had kind of settled that it's like he felt okay that he could relax and his emotions started to come through. Mm-hmm. And that's when it clicks me back into gear and go, oh, no, hang on, this does affect him too. It's yeah. not just me. Yeah. Uh, but he is definitely the supportive, the rock, the pillar in all of this because mm-hmm. I'm just not. I, I like to think I'm a strong person, but when it comes to the raging hormones and it comes to the anxiety, I am just an absolute mess. So... It's very much that I lean on him mm-hmm. and then once I am somewhat okay, he starts to relax and let those barriers down. Yeah. And do you think that he has a support group outside of you? Like is this something that he would have spoken to like his best friend about? Does he have like a network of other men he can talk to that have maybe been through a similar situation? I wouldn't say a network of similar situations as such. We've, we've both been very open with our immediately close circles um, and our closest friends about everything from day mm-hmm. dot. So people around us have known when we've gotten pregnant or we've had miscarriages that those immediately close to us are well aware. Mm-hmm. And he's not a talker like I am. Like anything, mm. some, anytime something happens to me, I just talk your ear off. Like, yeah. I just need I to mean, get it out. <laughs> I need to vocalize things. I need to say them. I'm not someone who can just hold on to stuff internally. Yeah. Whereas I think for him, it's more of a casual conversation. You know, if he happens to be catching up with a mate and what's new, and then they might touch on what's happened. Sure. I believe he has, well, I know he has spoken to his mates about it a little bit, okay, but I don't good. think it's in the same depth kind of. Yeah, would. absolutely. And I always wonder that about, um, you know, the difference between male and female friendships. And even with my hubby, a few times he's been like, oh, I feel like this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm aware of that. And I know that that's a normal feeling, but I have to, I feel like I need to encourage him to be like, have a chat with your brother who's got three kids and is married and has been through this whole situation or have a chat with one of your work friends because, you know, they're pregnant right now so they know what the situation is and how you would be feeling in these early days. I feel like maybe men don't feel comfortable to have those conversations as freely as women. I don't think they do but also I think too because, again, they're not physically experiencing it, it's almost like they don't have like I can come to you and be like hey this is how I feel about this and know that you've been through it and it's a very similar thing whereas I don't feel like they 
discuss in depth like a guy's not going to turn to a guy and be like hey my missus is pregnant and talk in depth about the pregnancy process because course, yeah. they don't completely understand it themselves yeah and i think it's definitely more something that he would talk to me about yeah um maybe his immediate family but i think the conversation between male friends is definitely a lot more casual conversation mm-hmm. and not as in depth more surfacy yeah yeah um I think time was our saving grace, and I, that would be my recommendation to most people. I wouldn't jump into an IVF cycle in a brand-new relationship. In hindsight, I probably would have maybe done a little bit of relationship counselling just to prepare us for, yeah. you know, the mood swings and the resentment from my end about me physically being the one to go through it. Yeah. Because I think that was our biggest hurdle, I guess, is yeah. my resentment. Every time something happens to me, it's like, well, you don't have to go through this. Yeah, it's not. Absolutely. And I think that is definitely something that I have heard uh, quoted from so many women that go through this, like not just IVF and trying to conceive, but once the baby comes along, it feels like the woman, and we're just speaking in our situations. Yeah. Obviously, every relationship is different and everyone's situation is different. But a lot of my girlfriends were all in heteronormative relationships there is a big feeling that the women are taking on a lot more of the load of the mental load of everything that is required when you're trying to conceive and then when you have the baby and then obviously the physical load which we'll get to um when i go through my side of it it's just seems to always fall much heavier on the side of women and i think that's almost why we are more communicative with each other and why we're more supportive of each other because there's so much more expected of you and the load is such so much heavier that you will almost need more people on your side that can help you deal with it and yeah. to carry the load definitely yeah 100 percent. yeah wow and so where are you guys at now so we're going to go into a new round in another month or so yeah how is your partner's like where is his i suppose emotional balance on everything that you guys have been through and where you guys are headed so he's very supportive in the fact that it's your body it's your choice you do whatever you please and i will support you as we go so if i turn around and said i've had enough i can't do this anymore while he would be disappointed we don't have a child he would be completely on board with that yeah. um as long as i feel like i want to keep going for <clears throat> he's happy for us to do so so i'm very lucky in the sense that he allows the whole all the decision making all the controlling of the pathway to be left in my hands because he is aware that physically it is a massive strain on me mm-hmm. um emotionally too like i think the emotion especially through a miscarriage for to lose a child is one thing but to lose a child you are physically carrying is mm-hmm. another level of depth so i think i'm lucky he's very aware that the toll on me is much greater Mm -hmm. so he leaves full control in my hands of what i want to do yeah absolutely and going through obviously the miscarriages and the struggle that you guys have had has he ever said i think we should go and see a counselor or i'm really struggling i want to talk to somebody like has his has he ever sort of said to you like we need to have more of a focus on mental health or no i think that I think we've touched on it before. He's not a big talker anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very stoic, quiet type who doesn't usually show a lot of emotion. Like we've touched briefly on, hey, do you think we need to talk to someone like in the very instant that the miscarriage has occurred? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I said, 
he's not a talker anyway. I think if he was a more emotional person, it might be different. But even myself being an emotional person, I felt like talking to my girlfriends was enough and I didn't Mm -hmm. need that extra support. In saying that, I'm completely open to it. If, you know, we had to go through anything else, um, or if we got to a point where it was causing an ongoing issue, it's definitely something I'm open to and would reach out to and look at going and seeing a counsellor or something. Yeah. But I think I just, I'm lucky that we lean heavily on each other and we're very good at communicating with each other. Mm -hmm. And I have yourself and my medical team are wonderful. If I'm feeling any kind of way, whether it's my GP, my nurses, my specialists, we can you know if we have any questions like so as COVID ended he is able to come to more and more appointments oh that's great and he has been to a few now and they they ask like is there anything you want to know like is there anything we can go through and I think the further we get into the process the more comfortable we are too we have more knowledge of how things are going we're very in tune with what the next steps are Mm -hmm. there's not as much hesitation these days so obviously knowledge is power and the more we know the more confident we are with the process so I think for us it's just when something bad happens it's more working on my resentment, which is our big hurdle. And what's been like your key cornerstone to help you get through that? I know a friend of mine got given a book by her husband uh, when they had their first baby that was like how not to kill your husband after you have your first baby or something. So how do you get through the resentment? Because that seems to be the word I hear the most when talking um, to women in this situation, either trying to conceive or once baby comes along, resentment seems to pop up a lot. Um, I think it's just a matter of sitting down and having a chat with it. Like I have to remind myself that he's going through it and, you know, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I'll make a comment and be like, well, you don't get it. You're like, and I'm quite snappy about it. Mm -hmm. And then that will turn into a conversation of, well, I feel this way and I'm feeling this and this is why. And we kind of just open up into a little dialogue with each other, whether it stems from an initial snap, not quite an argument, but just Mm -hmm. an irritation. Mm -hmm. But usually that delves into a more open conversation. So if I'm feeling a resentment, he might go to the work for today, I'll be irritated, and then he'll come home and I'll be like, all right, well, why doesn't like you know, why don't you feel this or why don't you talk about this? Mm-hmm. And he'll be like, well, okay, I do feel this, but and then we'll have that conversation about how each of us is going. Yeah. And then that will in turn open my eyes to how he is feeling and how it is affecting him and that resentment kind of starts to drop away as I'm reminded of how much it does affect him as well. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of having those conversations for me and occasionally my GP will say to me you know and how's he going with it and you mm-hmm. know have how's your relationship like do you talk about it and yeah. we do like there is absolutely nothing in our relationship we don't talk about mm-hmm. um we don't experience like he's sat on the other side of the shower door while I've sat on the shower floor for an hour like there's yeah. there's no hiding anything cool. there's no barriers um it's all very, very open and we don't have one of those, I guess, you know, the old school relationships where... Yeah, where it's like don't say anything. Yeah, yeah. But we don't have that and we never have. Um, so I think that's the, the saving grace is that we, we do talk and, you know, while we argue and some of our conversations may stem from, you know, a snap or an irritation or an argument, it ultimately ends up usually being a productive conversation and, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Well, that's good and some really handy tips for anyone that's going through it as well. Communication, communication, communication. And, well, communication isn't like, you know, oh, we communicate wonderfully and it's all this. Like sometimes it's an argument. Communication can be getting frustrated. Yeah, and that's a form of communication and it can be. Like it doesn't have to be a sit down, calm, okay, tell me your feelings. It can stem from an argument and that it quite often does. Like it stems from me being irritated or a small argument and then it turns into a productive conversation. Conversation. That's good. Um, but That's don't healthy. be afraid to have the little arguments. Yeah. I guess they're kind of what steamroll a few things. And- yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've had a few people that are like, oh, you know, I never fight with my partner. And I'm like, oh, okay, I fight with Ash like all the time. But <laughs> it always ends up becoming a productive conversation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And our arguments last for about two minutes. And then we look at each other and we sit down and go, okay, obviously we need to have a conversation here. And it always comes down to a lack of communication. Yeah. Somebody not communicating something that they needed or a way that they felt about an action or a word that was said and it escalates into something stupid. Yeah. And then eventually you end up having a better relationship because you've at least communicated through it. Yeah, and that's it. It's arguments generally, hopefully, end with a productive conversation if they're snowballing into something. Oh, (laughs) single. We're we're talking about arguments that end up being physical and you end up throwing vases at one another. We're talking about, you know, if you snap at your partner because they've not been aware that you're feeling a certain way and then you can sit down and have an adult conversation afterwards, move through the feelings, come out feeling better about that person rather than worse, then that's a conversation worth having. Yeah, and I think if you're going through the IVF process and resentment is a big thing for you, even just talking, I find that talking to my nurses as I'm at my appointments, having my procedures, because they have a lot more insight on how the partners are feeling going through it because obviously they see it and they see how everyone copes with it differently. So just having a casual chat, and I know there's been a few times that my nurses have said to me, oh, you know, your partner might be feeling this or, you know, he might be feeling this. And it kind of jogs my memory that, he, he does have an emotional part in all this. And that you're not going through it alone as well. I think that's probably the other side because everything's happening to you. You probably feel like, oh, I'm having to do everything myself. I feel so alone in this process. Not realizing that because they haven't come to you or broken down in tears and said, this has been so hard on me because they're so busy trying to be supportive. Yeah. You sort of almost forget that, of course, they're involved in this and, of yeah. course, they're feeling things. But if they're trying to be the supportive stoic partner then maybe they're not showing they're not going to let those walls down yeah Yeah. exactly exactly Mm -hmm. well I suppose the other side of it is once baby comes along and in some way pregnancy as well but I personally didn't really have any issues with hubs while I was pregnant he has he was always just so attentive and very what can I get you what do you need make sure you sleep today make sure you take a rest if I was ever like I don't want to go out because I'm tired and uncomfortable or I don't want to do this or that or I don't have the energy to make dinner or whatever he was always like nope totally understand you're busy growing a person (laughs) that is fine (laughs) um and then once Ted came along like I'd say probably the first well he had two months off So I think that we were in a really privileged position that we had those eight weeks to get used to life with baby. Mm -hmm. 
And in those first eight weeks, I feel like even though I was breastfeeding exclusively, he certainly was always making sure he was on top of everything that needed to be done. He was always making sure there was washing on. He was always like, can I get you some water? How's your water bottle going? Do you need some food? What can I get you? Have you had enough sleep? Do you want me to take him so you can go and have a nap? He was really attentive in that time. So we didn't really have any issues in those first eight weeks. Once he went back to work, the dynamic changed. And it has been an ongoing changing situation since then. Mm -hmm. And it has been very up and down. Like I won't lie about it. It's been tough. And the only reason I say that is because I feel like the expectations changed so obviously the first eight weeks he didn't work and I wasn't working and all we had to do was look after the baby and obviously my body was healing so he was going above and beyond for everything but once you put work back into the situation you got to remember like your partner's tired when they come home from work and you know my hub's job is quite hard as well both emotionally and physically it can be really exhausting Mm -hmm. so depending on what his caseload has looked like for the day he might have had a bunch of young people that he's had to walk through their diagnosis of cancer and then he comes home to a screaming baby and he's already very tired and why but i imagine that would be really hard but all i can see in that moment is how exhausted i am because the baby's been screaming in my face for four hours yeah so i think that Every time we've had an argument, it has always come down to who is doing what, when, and how it's making the other person feel. Mm -hmm. And I think that when I started working as well, again, it sort of shifted things and we had to change the dynamic of our relationship again, because my job is not the main breadwinning job. My job is a business that I grew and created out of nothing and I'm really, really proud of it. But because I work sporadically and I work when there is work, it's not like a mainstay of our economic family dynamic. You're not needing you to focus on your role to bring in that income. Exactly. So I think that has certainly come with its own challenges because... For me, I almost feel like a bit guilty because I'm like, well, it's not like I have to go to work. Like his wage will be sufficient for us to live our lives. I don't have to go to work. And then that comes with a whole level of like mum guilt. And then I feel bad and then I feel bad for feeling bad. And I can sometimes feel like, oh, well, you know, just because you chose that job and it's sufficient doesn't mean that I shouldn't get to have a job because it means a lot to me. And it, I think really like every time we've had arguments about it, it just comes down to me feeling like I'm doing too much and for him to feel like, well, you don't need to do so much, but you need to, his priorities of what he sees as me taking on to fill up my plate. It, sometimes I think he feels like, well, if you just didn't, try and shove so many bookings in on this particular weekend then you wouldn't feel so burnt out like he perhaps doesn't understand the emotional need for you because although it's not a financial need to have the business and bring in an income it's a self sense of identity and it's a whole nother aspect to keeping you you and not just being mum and wife yeah it's still a need just not in the sense that yeah and like he he totally does and he says like i get it and i'm so proud of you and all that sort of thing 
But I think that when he feels like his plate is getting overloaded because my plate is so chopped full, it can sometimes be like, well, the most obvious thing is that you need to work less. Like that's the easiest thing to like lighten the load on all of us. And it's like, yeah, I know, but I don't always want to do that. Yeah. And I think really we had like a good conversation a couple of months ago because my business started ramping back up and I was feeling good and I wanted to work a bit more and we were just kind of trying to work it out. And then it felt like every weekend was dictated by where my work was at, but I was looking, I was getting so much joy out of my job that I couldn't see how hard it was for him to adjust to that Mm -hmm. because he's gone from working a crazy week to then being full-time caring. And I think sometimes on his side, it looks like, well, she's gone from full-time caring all week and now she gets to go and do something that's really fun because I love my job and I really enjoy my business. And it is a fun job. Like I have a party hire business. I make beautiful events. That's what I get to do for a living. I help people celebrate engagements and baby showers and all exciting things. I get to do proposals. Yeah, it's very rewarding. It's a great job. Yeah. And I think that sometimes he feels like, well, because his job is so physically and emotionally demanding, like if my job was to go to work and tell a 30-year-old woman she's dying from cancer, I wouldn't want to go to work either. That sounds terrible. And then to come home to a crying baby and spend your whole weekend looking after like an upset baby because your wife is at work doing a job she really likes, I can see where he feels like that's not fair either Mm -hmm. so i think really it just it's been a big communication thing and our conversation that we always come back to is that my full-time job is being a Mm mum, and then my part-time job is my business and obviously now the podcast as well so you know it takes up a couple hours a week and that's fine we make that work and it's mainly out of hours anyway. So yeah. that's fine. And then his full-time job is being a doctor Monday to Thursday. And then whenever he works on a weekend or Friday or whatever, I need to pick up the slack because he's at work and his part-time job, if you like, is being a dad. Mm-hmm. So the way we look at it is like my full-time job is being a mum. And I do that from the hours that he walks out the door till the hours he work- walks back in the door. And then he is a doctor between those hours and any hours outside of him going to work and me being at home with the baby, that should be shared labor. Yeah. But I think the other side of it is that I've had more time to adjust to how to do it. Yeah. So for me, like I, on a normal day when I'm looking after Ted, I'm also prepping stuff for my business. I'm answering emails, paying bills, making sure the plants get watered in the house, making sure there's food in the house. We've got groceries, making sure there's food for dinner, making sure that we're up to date on all vaccinations, animals and babies alike, making sure that the washing is kept up to date so that he's got clean scrubs to work to work, and the baby's got things that haven't been vomited on. And I think that's the different, a whole nother conversation too, is working from home and all the jobs that come with working from yeah, home. Like even absolutely. when your business is busy and it takes a lot of energy, there's almost still an expectation that if you work from home that 
a lot of the general household tasks will fall to you as well because I know I experience the same thing because I work I run Gary's business from the admin side of things but I do it from home so between phone calls and emails I can do a load dishes and I can do the groceries so then the mental load as we said before and the day-to-day load of the house tasks just fall back on the person that's in the house more often exactly and I think that was like my frustration is that I would go to work and do my job and I'd come home and like they'd just been playing all day or they'd like gotten to go and have a swim or you know they were doing the fun stuff and I was like oh when I'm at home with him like I've got to make sure the kitchen's done and I do washing and I do all these other things and for him it was more of an adjustment period than anything he was like oh well I, I didn't really think to that I needed to do that stuff because one, it's usually taken care of by me. So if it gets to the weekend and I haven't even done that stuff, that's pretty unusual. That means I've had a pretty crazy week, but it's yeah. happened a few times, you know, the week he had gastro and I was trying to work that week. And I think we were away for a couple of days as well, because every time he goes away for work, I'll go with him. Mm-hmm. So he's not completely away from myself and Bob for days at a time which is his request and I'm more than happy to do it yeah um but it it obviously eats into the time that I can do those extra tasks yeah so you know it was just a matter of me having to communicate okay well this is how I run my day when you're at work so if you want to try and do something similar you'll find that it'll be a lot easier to manage because, you know, we're not. Go- I'm not coming home from work and then also having to look after the baby while I do the dishes and do washing because it wasn't done while I was at work. Which is a reverse expectation yeah. he would kind of have from you and the, yeah, if he was at work all day, he wouldn't want to come home to all the tasks not being done yeah, and a screaming baby and all that kind of thing. And, and it's like, like the communication. Absolutely. And the thing is that because it was never communicated, I'm just that kind of person. Like I lived on my own for quite a lot of years where I wasn't with a partner. So I'm used to making sure there's always food in the house and making sure that the washing is done and that we've got clean sheets on the bed and fresh towels and all the nice things that I just expect of my life because Mm -hmm. I've set up those habits and I've always done that. Like we've been together since 2014 and we've lived together since um, like 20 like maybe six months after that Mm -hmm. because we got together in like the march of 2014 and then we got engaged about a year and a half after that and we moved in together a couple of months after we got engaged and he lived away as well for about six months so he's he's an adult he knows how to do all the things but most of our relationships so since 2016 we have lived together and you know we up up until the last couple of years we both worked full time yeah so we shared the load on those things but there were certainly things that I always leaned into more because I just found them easier or it just always worked for us and And you were used to doing them absolutely and at the same time even when I was working full-time I've never been a doctor I've never had a job that has that much weight in it like I have worked in retail I've worked in management I've worked in training I've worked in recruitment but I never had to go to work and tell somebody that they were dying or I never had to stand in theatre for 10 hours and a day. And have someone's life depend on you. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, I've never had a job like that. So 
I've always tried where I could to lighten the load for him because I just see that as like I'm happy to do that. That's mm-hmm. always just been a dynamic in our relationship. So as soon as it turned to the point where I physically couldn't do it because I was so tired, I was really burnt out, I was feeling emotionally exhausted, the mental load just of having a baby is so high because you're constantly thinking, when was the last time that they ate? Do they need a change? When? How much sleep have they had? Looking up things to do with your baby at age blah, things like what's their developmental stage currently? Are they doing the things that they should be doing? Like there's so much that you're constantly thinking about. Life admin for a whole nother human. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's like I'd started before we even had a baby to take on some life admin stuff for my hubby because I was just, I suppose, more organized at it. And I never worried about it. It didn't bother me to do that because I was like, oh, well, if I'm sorting out my rego, I can sort out his rego at the same time because it's just easier. I know you do this as well for Gary. You're always like, oh, well, I've got to do this appointment, so I'll book one for both of us. And I've always taken on like, oh, we've got three pets. Okay, when do they need their vaccinations? When do they need their flea tablets? Like I've always just taking it on and thought about doing it so when it got to the point where I was just maxed out it did cause some problems and it was resentment and it was just a matter of us sitting down and saying I feel overloaded because of this 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 and this and for me my big thing was that I felt like I didn't have downtime and I felt like he did yeah because he would come home from work he'd have that time in the car And this sounds so frivolous and anybody that just works full time and has a job will understand that you need that time to commute home so you can decompress. Yeah. Like I remember, especially when we were, we've lived in like three different cities, but there was a time where we lived in Melbourne for a year and I worked this incredibly stressful job. I really didn't like it. I wasn't getting anything out of it. We'd moved to Melbourne for Ash's work progression. I ended up feeling like I took a step back when we moved there. So I had a job I hated and I used to use that time. I I ended up driving to the city where my job was and parking in the city deliberately. So I had time on my own to decompress coming home from work because I just had such a bad time. But when you're at home all the time, you don't get that. Yeah. So he'd come home and he'd be like, oh, I've just been stuck in traffic for an hour. And I was like so jealous. I'm like, (laughs) you've had an hour to like listen to whatever music you wanted or listen to a podcast. And I've been here with a screaming baby in my face. And it's so ridiculous because if you step back, yeah, that's craziness to assume that that is like downtime for somebody who's trying to decompress from their job and just have quiet time and sit in traffic, which is absolutely infuriating. And if you live on the Gold Coast and you have for a long time, <laughs> it's getting worse. It is so bad now. It's just crazy. But I was feeling so frustrated because I was like, you get downtime. I don't get downtime. You get to stay up late at night. I don't because I'd go to bed purposely because I knew I'd be up several times through the night. Mm-hmm. But he I felt like he wasn't going to bed any earlier and I felt like my whole life had shifted dramatically having this baby in my life but his hadn't Mm -hmm. like he still went to work as per normal he still he was playing sport once a week he got to have downtime when he'd come home because he'd have that decompression time in the car then he'd come home baby would be fed they have a nice shower together 
he has a bottle and he goes to bed and then he just gets sit and like play PlayStation or watch TV while I make dinner. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I haven't had a break because I got up with the baby at three o'clock this morning and I've been with him except for the half an hour you had him in the morning before you went to work. And now you get to sit on the couch and watch TV and I've got to cook dinner. And it was so dumb because I like cooking dinner. I, I don't want him to cook so dinner. Common for ever, but- a lot of people whose partners are in a, as you said, a, a really intense or weight heavy job kind of thing. Yeah. I know that I feel the exact same way a lot of the days, you know, Gary's a, a, in a trade, so they work long, 10 to 12 physically hard hour yeah. days and he'll do the same thing. He'll come home, he'll veg out on the couch for a little while and I'll be feeding the cats or doing something and being like, hang on a second, I haven't stopped all day yeah. and you're sitting there not doing anything. Yeah. But you have to kind of remind yourself that they've had come from such a physically or mentally or both strenuous day that they don't have anything left in the tank when they walk in the door a lot of the time. And also, and this is the big thing that I found, if you don't ask, they're not going to do it. Yeah. Like if I had that situation and he would sit down and start playing PlayStation and I cracked it, it would obviously end up in an argument and then we'd have the conversation, blah, 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 blah. If I very nicely said, hey, do you mind just feeding the dog? I'm trying to get dinner on. Not a problem. Not an issue. Yeah. But I wouldn't, if I didn't ask and he wouldn't do it, then I'd get angry. And yeah. I'm like, this is stupid. I haven't communicated what I need from him. He's not going to think to just do it because that's not where his brain's at. Like if you've ever been in a situation where you in that decompression mode in your brain, you're not thinking, well, I mean, I think I, I do because my <laughs> to-do list constantly runs in my head. But I think a lot of people aren't thinking in their decompression or their downtime, oh, shit, I need to go and do this or that. Like they're just thinking, oh, this is so nice. I've had such a long day. Maybe they're processing what happened through the day. Yeah. Maybe they're just trying to get themselves into a mind frame of, calm and relax so they can have a nice time and not say snap at their partner about something stupid because they're still thinking about something from work yeah but i would be like i've got to do this and this and this and this and this after dinner and he's just sitting there doing nothing it's like but did you ask him to help you because if you haven't asked then you're not going to get the result you're looking for. And look, I know I get into a similar mindset where I'm like, well, I shouldn't have to ask. It's your house too. Totally, it's your- totally. And I know that for me that's I very much the same. Gary will come home, he'll be decompressing, and I'll just be like, why are you not helping me? Like, yeah. I shouldn't have to tell you. You're an adult. You're human. You know yeah. how to live. Like, yeah. you know we need to eat. You know the cats need to eat. You know the washing needs to be on and all these kind of things. But they're in a different mindset when yeah. they come home from that day. And yeah. it just doesn't cross their minds to think, okay, I've walked in the door. What else can I do? They just want to sit. They just want to yeah. relax, try and decompress from the day. Yeah. And I think I struggle with, well, I shouldn't have to ask you. I shouldn't have to tell you. Like, yeah. this is your home as well. But you do. Like, yeah. especially when, like, these days I used to be the breadwinner and I took a complete step back, especially in the last 18 months mm-hmm. while we focused on the IVF. And I'm very lucky that my husband's business allows me to do that and allowed me to not work externally and just run his business. But it is, like, when you come home, and I think it was very different, again, when we were both working full-time and we were both very stressed, yeah. you, the, sh- the load was definitely more shared because there wasn't this expectation of, I've just walked in the door, I need to decompress, yeah. and she's been here all day, so surely she's got it under control yeah. kind of thing. And I think it's probably just a matter of wiring as well. 
like the things that I am constantly thinking on the to-do list. And this is something that he and I have spoken about so frequently. And he just goes, how do you even know to think about this? And I'm like, because it's just there. Like for me, it's a constant thing of like, okay, he's about to turn 10 months old. What does that mean in terms of developmental expectations? What does that mean from a physical expectation? What are some new games that I can put into our repertoire to help him achieve these new milestones coming up? But for him, he hasn't thought about that. They're just sitting around watching Hey Bear, having a great time. <laughs> because in his mind, his thought process is, I'm just enjoying spending time with my son. It's not, oh, well, I need to make sure that he's up to this and this and this and this. Yeah. And it's even the fact, and I, I think probably it comes down to a matter of practice. Like I have always been at home with Ted. So I've always been the one to track where he's at and when he's doing something new and I'm learning from my mother's group and I'm discussing new milestones and where are you, where's your kid at with this situation? He doesn't have that. So it's like I've got a whole encyclopedia of people to talk to and experiences that I'm having currently that he doesn't have access to. And it's even simple things like, okay, on a Friday morning when we sit down and record this, there's a couple of hours where Ash and Ted are together alone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's smart and he's in medicine. He knows how to look after a baby. But at the same time, I'm the one that's with Ted all the time. So I'll run through with him what snacks are in the fridge for them to eat, what his day is looking like, when you can expect that he might have something to eat, how much food that's going to be, when he'd be due for the next nap. Because, yes, I could leave it up to him and let him struggle through the whole day and have Ted upset and in tears the entire time because his whole routine's been thrown out. And I could just be like, oh, we'll look it up on Google. But the easier and the better way for me to communicate what Ted needs is just to share my information with him. And I think that's such a big thing that can cause resentment because it's like, I, I, you know, I'll look at it and be like, but I've been working on this encyclopedia. I've written it myself. Why can't you do your own research? And it's like, but how does that help anyone that's not benefiting the baby? And it's just a mind frame that you need to put yourself into because if you constantly look at it like, well, I managed to work this out, you should be able to manage to work it out. It's not a team. No. And it's not benefiting anyone. And maybe you feel good because you've scored some points for a little bit, but if your point of your relationship is to win an argument, you shouldn't be in that relationship. Exactly. At no point should you be like, I need to win this at all costs. Mm -hmm. That doesn't help anybody. It just continues to build resentment on resentment because if – the roles were reversed and I was looking after his job or something for like three hours and he was like, oh, you just work it out. I've been a doctor for 15 years. You can just sort it out and work it out over the time. I'd be like, no, 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 you need to help me. It's not that straightforward. I know from experience. I was handed a drill one day. Do you think I could drill the fence panel? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I think you've just got to look at it like that. If you're the one that's staying at home with baby, remember that that's your job. And it is, and you need to accept that that is your full, if if this is your situation, that that is your full-time job and look at it like your career. You have had X amount of time. I've now been on training for 10 months with this kid. Like I've got a pretty good assumed knowledge of how he works, what he needs, what each crime means, what his day needs to look like. 
if I was popping in and out of that situation and my whole amount of experience was a half an hour in the morning, an hour at nighttime, and then the occasional weekend, I'd need help too. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of like looking at it like that and just remembering that it's not about who's doing more or who's doing less because if you guys are working as a team and you're acknowledging my partner goes to work so that I can keep putting formula in this baby's body, yeah, then you can actually look at it more beneficial. So he's helping out this situation because he's putting money into our account. We can pay the bills. There's food on the table. That's not a problem. And then I can go out sometimes and make some money. And then he will be looking at me like she is a full-time carer for our child, growing our child, nurturing our child, creating his life. And then her part-time job, she can go out and, and grab some, some cash and bring joy and happiness into her life. Mm-hmm. So I think that if you can look at it overall as more of a sphere that you guys are all just chucking money into the pot. And I don't mean money as in physical money. I mean, if you're equating what you're bringing to the relationship and what you're bringing to the family dynamic as throwing coins into a pot and you're looking at the whole pot at the end of the day as like, look how much we've got all together. You're not looking at like, well, I put that coin in and you put that coin in and I put more coins in than you have. Don't look at it that way because you're just going to drive yourself insane you've got to look at it like you're all just chipping in little bits wherever you can and whenever you can to make sure that at the end of the day you have a family that works who is nourished and who is loved yeah exactly yeah so look guys i don't know how many times we're going to have to say it but it's something that i constantly say to myself and to my hubby communicate 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 Yeah. If you need more from your partner, because let's face it, you're going to be tired. You're going to be stressed. You're going to be feeling the worst you've ever physically felt in your life because you'll be more tired and probably more malnourished than you have been in your life. (laughs) Maybe since you were like 18 years old, living off two minute noodles and alcohol, you will need to lean on each other. It's a hard thing. Nobody has ever said, have a baby. It's so easy because that's insanity. That's not a real truth. (laughs) So if you are lucky enough to be in a situation where you're doing this with a partner and you're feeling frustrated and you feel like one person's doing more than the other, have a chat about it. Communicate what you need from them and ask them what they need from you because there's a good chance if you're feeling frustrated with them, there's a probably a good chance that the (laughs) roles are reversed even if they're not telling you so big push on just communicate as much as you can and like amy said go and see a counselor yeah if that's what you guys need to make sure that you can keep your family dynamic afloat there is no shame in going and seeking help no whatever works for you like you know i know that these days setting expectations where you know the litter trays are Gary's one job. I don't yeah. look at them. I don't touch them. I don't think about them, but I expect him to take full control of that when we're in the house. Yeah. You know, just having these, and as we said, arguments are communication and most of the time they're healthy or they end up healthy. Yeah. Don't, no relationship is going to be perfect. No matter what people portray, there's no one who, if you, if you have a relationship where you do not ever argue with your partner, you must be the most like-minded twins on the planet. And I envy you completely. Or you're not communicating. Or you're not communicating and you're not being honest, but you know, arguments are healthy. Communication is healthy. Seeing a counselor is healthy. You know, it's hard work, whether yeah. it's with children, without children, trying to have children, yeah. whether it's juggling work dynamics, 
relationships are really bloody hard yeah, and you have to are. choose to work at them whether yes. it's just your partner even with friendships like Absolutely. especially you I know when we've in, lived apart in different yeah, states like hard. things take work with no yeah. matter who it is in your life but you know it's worth it Yeah, exactly. And look, if you're in a relationship that absolutely does not benefit from communication, then have a think about whether it's the right relationship for you. But if it's a matter of like, you guys keep quipping at each other and you feel like, oh, what's the point? The point is that you've got to work at it. The Mm -hmm. point is that humans are so complicated. Like you're, as a person, ask yourself, are you happy all the time? Of course you're not. You're going to have peaks and troughs of your emotions different life stresses as well so just try to extend that kindness to your partner and just communicate with them when you're feeling frustrated yeah yeah all right guys well that'll be it from us another bit of a long episode but we just get on the mics and we keep talking so that's how it is and because we have different perspectives as well i have no idea how stressful it would be to go through ivf with a partner so it's so refreshing to and hear. likewise i have no idea what it's like when your baby is not sleeping <laughs> you get there oh, it's inevitable <laughs> well thanks guys for joining us for another episode of bumps and besties be good to yourselves and be good to your partners <laughs> see you next week bye